Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. He's a gorilla of destiny. A bullet club OG. Continuing on the legacy of the most feared name in all of wrestling. From Tonga to Japan to America, you are now entering Tamas Island with your host, the babyface heel, Tama Tonga. Yeehaw, folks. We have come through the forbidden door and we got plenty to talk about. It's Tuesday. We're live on Twitch. We're live on your favorite podcasting platform. We're live on, I don't know, wherever the hell you listen to Thomas Island. Maybe it's on Patreon. Either way, we're live. We got plenty to talk about. And before we get into it, let me welcome on back to the podcast, Karen. Karen, how are you on this fine Tuesday? I am still recovering from the revolving door. I mean, forbidden door. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name for it. It's... I, I, <laughs> John Moxley, like John Moxley did an interview with his wife like recently where he was just sort of like, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of the word forbidden door. It's not forbidden. I've literally worked for AEW for three years. I've worked for New Japan for three years. I like cut this out. And uh, yeah, it's not forbidden. It's not a door. It's barely a strut. Like it's barely a hallway at this point. It's it's one big room after forbidden door. We'll get to that. But also rejoining us on the podcast, please welcome on back. John, John, how are you on this fine Tuesday? I am doing fantastic. I uh, definitely feel like I'm ready to talk about the forbidden door. <clears throat> I, feel, I, I feel both validated and invalidated at the same time after all my comments last episode. So, Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, I feel like uh, you and the chat over on Twitch and everyone else are real excited to talk about forbidden door. I am your host, as always, the culture vulture, the folk city hustler, the dirtbag disruptor, the thane of Fife, the shaman shit talker, the snowman of Syracuse, the uh, whatever you need me to be. But this week I am taking you through all of the fallout, all of the hangover that is post Forbidden Door life. If you've been living under a rock, if you've been staying off social media, if you might be a little bit Amish and maybe you're taking a break to watch some Twitch, let me bring you up to speed this past Sunday in the United Center. All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling came together in the uh, not-so-forbidden hallway to put on a, it, I think the final tally was a 12-match card, some sensational stuff, some less than some sensational stuff, some craziness, some ridiculousness. A lot of fun was had in the United Center. Shout-out to the Thomas Island subscribers that I had some pizza with the night before. It was a good time. But uh, let's start with just the initial reactions to the uh, to the show forbidden door karen what did you think of what'd you think of this sunday's supercard i stand by my comment last week that they did too much to build up blood and guts and not enough to build up forbidden door yeah it doing... do... sorry, oh, sorry i thought like they were doing too much 
However, I had a good time, but I also think I went in with very low expectations, which mm. kind of helped. <laughs> <laughs> if i'm perfectly honest no you're not you're not wrong because like i think the show was a ton of fun like i'm gonna have some criticisms that we're gonna talk about as we get into this i want you all to understand those criticisms do not reflect the fact that it was still a damn fine like four of the five hours that the show was on we'll talk about the final hour in a second but yeah karen brings up a very good point it does kind of feel like on the other side of the forbidden forbidden door was blood and guts it wasn't necessarily an event, it was a, a liminal space, it was a transitionary period, it was the go home show for blood and guts, for lack of a better term, which for $50 is a little weird. I don't think people should be paying $50 for the go home show to a free episode of AEW Dynamite, but they did a million dollars at the gate and apparently they sold about $6 million worth in pay per view buys. So that's, that's the numbers talking. But what'd you think, John? What'd you think of this week's uh, Forbidden Door? Uh, you know, I, I agree with both of you about, you know, it seemed like it was, uh, again, as we've seen time and time, more self-serving than, uh, you know, on the AEW side quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that necessarily made it a bad pay-per-view. I think that it had its its moments, but uh, it does disappoint me a little bit to see the continued kind of, you know, like, let's book all this other talent from this other thing so that we can tell AEW stories and they really didn't tell any NJPW stories. This really should have been like, look, our our collective own personal chaos has somehow combined into this moment and it will f- affect us going forward our separate ways. But that only happened for one half of this, you know, of the of these companies, not not both. of Yeah. Them. Honestly, that's actually a really good way to put it. This it was this like big kind of chaotic like fever dream for lack of a better term. And coming out of it, there's some directions for New Japan. There's a lot more directions I think for AEW, but it it was still it still I think was a much more transitional show than the build up led people to believe. I think a lot of people believed that the build up was going to be, oh, this is going to be a blow off. This is going to be the big culmination of three years yeah. of bad blood between NJPW and All Elite Wrestling. You know, I got a and... good example. Uh, do you remember Watch the Throne? The yes. album with Kanye West and Jay Z. That was more of a Jay Z album with Kanye West on it than it was a Kanye a Kanye West album with Jay Z or even a collaboration. I would compare okay. it to. I would compare it to Watch the Throne for my music fans out there. Okay, that, I think that's a that's a fair it's a fair comparison. That's actually, but that makes sense. JJPW is is uh, is 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 Jay Z. Yeah, no, it's established. It's the you know yep. the fucking man, the blueprint. Uh, and then Kanye is like the new guy trying to you know. I mean, he's not wasn't super new when he did Watch the Throne, but you know, he's like, look at me, Dad. Look what I can do. And it's like, yeah, okay, but but you know, uh, yeah, no, and and I think Watch the Throne is a good comparison because there are some just real sublime highs on Watch the Throne, and there is yeah. some stuff that just I don't what? know maybe doesn't doesn't gel the same way but i want to go back to the idea that it that this does feel more like an aew show that featured new japan talent than a new japan and aew collaboration in the way that we saw from like new japan and noah or in the way that we've seen uh from like a good example is the cyber fight festival that uh the cyber agent uh companies do where it's it's a bunch of different promotions it feels like nothing else that any of those promotions have done that year um, but instead, this felt more like, like we said, the go-home show for blood and guts. The best example of that is the final two matches, the title matches, the world title matches that were 
at the end of the night about everything except for the world title. Let's start with the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, a four-way match that was announced uh, less than a week before the card, uh, I believe the Wednesday before. Jay White versus uh, Hangman Page versus Adam Cole versus Kazuchika Okada. Now, before we get into this match, we do kind of have to lampshade the fact that Adam Cole got injured in the match. It sounds like he suffered maybe a concussion or something along those lines. And so the, the finish of the match got a little wonky, but that doesn't change the fact that it was very clearly a match that was more about Adam Cole's relationship with not just Jay White, but also Hangman Page and the Young Bucks and the Elite and Bullet Club, than it really was about the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And that, I, I, I hate to put it this way, that's kind of a WWE move, where the title is secondary, what really matters is the soap opera. And I think that rubbed people just the wrong way, especially when you got a guy like Okada in there, especially when the IWGP World title has been divisive it's been struggling to kind of reach the heights of the original iwgp heavyweight title and now that it's been a semi-main event kind of bleh match on forbidden door i think that doesn't do it favors jay white is in a uh, uh just a young championship reign right now he's only about a couple weeks uh from winning the title when he defended it and so it also i think didn't make jay white look like the cutthroat dominant champion that he's been in new japan i think tying bullet club which is the big bad right now in new japan as of dominion they are the the huge heel faction that is is taking all the belts and dealing with stuff it does feel like they are tied into the soap opera with adam cole and hangman page and the bucks and the the friendship that that has been happening on a youtube show what did you think of the iwgp four-way match karen what what how did this rub you the fact that the action an actual world heavyweight championship match was the semi main event to an interim championship match mm-hmm. that alone diminishes the the importance of the IWGP heavyweight championship or world heavyweight championship that Okada has spent the last 6 months busting his ass to elevate mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I understand that, yes, the original plan was Tanahashi versus CM Punk for the AEW championship. I get that. But when that was no longer the match, it should have been flip-flopped or, sorry, you can, you can have the belt on the program, but make it a tag match. Yeah, It, 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 it did, it did nobody any service. It didn't make Jake White look like a, a super dominant champion. It didn't do Okada any favors other than showing up and getting to go, you know, spend like, two two days in the u.s mm-hmm. adam cole unfortunately you know got injured it it didn't it didn't i and i, I just don't never like four-way matches for a title that's supposed to be that prestigious and that like steeped mm-hmm. in history not that the world championship has had a long life but when you yeah. could add the entire history of it behind it it's just i no i'm 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 with you, and I think you bring up a really good point that also doesn't help. Okada looked like the big dog this weekend, right? Like New or AEW wasn't able to get him until the Wednesday before. He shows up into a four-way match where, like, the entire point is no one pins Okada. No one gets Okada even near the threat of being pinned. It's just he might not be the one that wins the match. 
And so, like, Okada comes out of this looking, like, even more protected than Tanahashi, even more protected than world champion Jay White, who, don't get me wrong, got the win. But, like we said, because of Adam Cole's injury and because of the weird nature of the storyline, it didn't feel like a dominant win. It didn't feel like a win that was about the world title as much as it was about Jay White's relationship with Adam Cole or lack thereof. And it pretty much all it did was really protect Okada. And Okada, does he's been world champion. He's, he's Mm -hmm. like... He's done it all around the heavyweight championship scene. He doesn't need to be protected anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I love Okada. I do. But, like, yep. this didn't do, like, I mean, I'm guessing the injury may have resulted in, like, a flash finish, which is fine. Yeah, I'm sure it changed it something, right? But at the same yep. time, I'm just like, what, what does this do for New Japan? And it, it's mm-hmm. just like, it didn't feel like it elevated anything didn't feel like it had importance and it should yep no i'm completely with you and that's why i wanted to lampshade the weird finish to begin with because i don't think the finish is what screwed up this uh the iwgp world titles presentation you know what i mean because like i think i think that jay white could have hit the blade runner and pinned adam cole one two three in that match and we'd still be having the same conversation if this wasn't about the title this was about who does jay love more his bullet club or aew's bullet club and I'm I'm happy that Jay White seems to love his Bullet Club more than the Elite. You know what I mean? Like I I am yeah. glad that at the end of the day, Jay White decided, hey, fuck Adam Cole, fuck the Young Bucks. This is my belt. This is my world. Tony Khan's lucky to have me. Make sure my belt is in a position of prominence when I do the scrums. Um, I think I think Jay White came off looking good, but I think because of all the politics that went into the weekend and because of the way the match turned out, Okada looked better. And that is an interesting dichotomy to be heading into the G1 climax with, especially when, especially when Hiroshi Tanahashi did not have the same kind of um, advantage. Let's put it that way. I do want to yeah. bring John in because he was kind of, he was about ready to chime in about the idea of, of this being more of a tag match. What did you kind of think of the four-way uh, world title match? I, I think that since everybody kind of knew which way it was kind of it was going to go the way that they booked it mm-hmm. they may as well have made something more interesting out of it i'm sorry it didn't they we didn't need to have the title of that you know yeah to yeah. show itself it could have even nobody i mean i shouldn't say nobody i guess that's that's not true we're different you know most people who listen to this podcast are probably a little more savvy so i'm not going to insult them by saying you know that you know it's like everybody knew adam page and adam cole weren't going to walk away with this title yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was that was obvious, right? Well, and, and and also with the injury, I think the fact that an injured Cole still had to get pinned shows that like Paige can't get pinned to that match. Okada yeah. can't get pinned to that match. And Jay White sure shit can't get pinned to that match because they're not changing the title. Shouldn't, but if he was injured, shouldn't they have really picked someone else anyway, though? Well, like, but, and this is dangerous? the thing is, is, is Cole was heading into this match with a litany of injuries. It was not certain until the week before that he was going to be able to make it. Which is, again, why I asked the question of why were we in a position where the only guy who could take the pinfall, the, on, the, the literally the only guy who could make this match work was the most injured in the match. Something's wrong there. Go ahead, Karen. I see you want to chime in. The, the one thing I'm thinking about is when I'm thinking about the placement of everyone around the ring when it happened. Yep. Okada and Cole were in the center. Jay was on one side, but closer to the corner where Cole was. And I think Hangman was on the opposite corner, possibly, or outside the ring entirely. So maybe Jay saw something that nobody else did and just acted on in- instinct because, you know, they did the Rainmaker Zoom, but Rain- Okada never hit the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. 
So it's one of those things where it's just like, I just feel like, and I feel bad for Hangman Page because he was there. Yep. But and that's all. I mean, like him and Okada had their little, like, you know, handsome battle standoff at the beginning, but what was the point of him being there? That's what well, I don't he, understand. Here's the other thing, because we, we so, talked so earlier that, about so that he so that Tony Khan could hug him. Well, no, but here's the thing, because we the, uh He flew him the all the end, way to Japan to give him a hug. Of course. I mean, hey. I mean all the way to the US from Japan to give him a hug. Uh look, we're not gonna talk about Tony's hug, or maybe we will. I don't know. We'll get to that <laughs> later. But the important thing the important thing to address here is that Hangman Page actually did have a reason to be in that match. And I, as the keen-eyed Wrestling Inc. Uh, results guy that I am, it was my job to watch the pay-per-view, and I did not see what was reported by a lot of fans in the arena that after the loss, when Hangman Page was like saddened by the fact that he didn't get to win the title and that he wasn't involved in the finish, yada, 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 he was kind of like inconsolable on the ramp. And one of the young books, I believe was Matt, was like about to go like console him and be like, hey, man, don't worry about it. You'll get him next time, yada, yada, yada. But Kyle O'Reilly talked him out of it. I should mention cameras seem to pick up none of this. If they did, it was for like three seconds and no one acknowledged it. But this was happening on the ramp as another kind of bit of, of story that was stuffed into this already overstuffed four-way match. And so Hangman Page did have a reason. They just had too much going on and they didn't catch it. So that mm-hmm. again, it's not I'm not gonna say it's a I'm not gonna say it, it, it's a good reason, but no. there was there was some logic. Um like I, I, I get if Jay would have paid a pay- pinned hangman yeah it's just i don't i don't know it would have been the same result as long as jay didn't pin okada it's the same result yeah (laughs) and and i think jay pinning hangman would have been more interesting because jay pinning adam cole don't get me wrong it gets jay firmly in the camp of bullet club it kind of separates him from the elite yada 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 but it also wouldn't be as interesting as the idea of hangman page needing to get revenge on jay white because and I even said this uh, back when Jay White won the title. Hangman Page and Jay White had a very small feud back in, I want to say, 2018 over the U.S. Yeah. title. They had some crazy-ass matches. Uh, they only had a couple, but they were like they have some serious chemistry. I don't know if it's going to be AEW. I don't know if it's going to be New Japan, but there is money in having those two face off at some point. Uh, but that's not that's not the story they told on Sunday. That's, that's just me kind of bringing other stuff into it. Sorry, go well, ahead. Well- because it was really just you know about having their guys in the ring with jay white and okada and that's about where the plan went and they knew that they wanted adam cole to have a little more of a push in it because for whatever reason um they're i mean he's incredibly talented but for whatever reason they're putting him over adam page even though he took the cover the point is that you know that makes him part of a storyline now so you know he's it's 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 just more I don't want to call it favoritism because I don't think it's necessarily like on purpose. It's just that the people in charge have very specific characters that they like to, that they consider the main characters. And it yep. sucks that Adam page, Adam page should have been the star of this damn pay-per-view for AEW because, uh, for, because he was the one that was in NJPW mm-hmm. <laughs> the most. Yep. Uh, so, thank you know, you. and he had, and he has history with bullet club folks. So the fuck man, well, and it, it almost feels like Hangman is in a position where they don't necessarily want him losing to Jay yet. And again, sure. that's that's good, but I'm just I'm less interested in the Jay White Adam Cole storyline than I think a lot of AEW fans are. But, but bring in um, Adam Page and have Adam Page be like, Jay White, you think you're hot shit, dude? I was there. I was where you were. I like, like I'm, I was where you are now. You're 18 steps behind me, my man. Yep. You know, like <laughs> and he's like, I moved on from that bullshit. Look at me. I'm doing great. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's but whatever. Pa- if, if Jay had pinned Paige, then Jay could say, well, he was your AEW champion before Punk relieved of it. Where's yeah. my match with Moxley? Where's my match with Punk? Where like, it, it could have fed into that mm-hmm. greater storyline where it, it's, is Jay, it goes back to what we've been talking about for the last, you know, over a year. Is Jay's interest purely to protect all of Bullet Club or Jay White's interest in relation to Bullet Club? Mm-hmm. Well, and it it also makes sense, like, because at the end of the day, Jay White isn't going to have time to deal with Hangman Page for the next, like, month because he's in the G1 climax, right? And so it does kind of, I think, show the two very different types of stories that New Japan and AEW are telling right now. Because AEW has to tell these complicated stories of like, well, Jay White and Adam Cole are kind of friends, but Adam Cole and Hangman Page used to be, yeah, you know, the, the whole complicated elite drama. Whereas the New Japan stories of the night were stuff like, Lance Archer is going to be in the G1, so he needs to beat the shit out of Nick Camarado. It was, it's a much simpler, much more um, A to B kind of story. Um, and I think that was the, that was kind of the, the difference but uh but the world the like we mentioned the a the iwgp world title match wasn't the only world title match or at least the only we had an interim world title match as the main event john moxley beats hiroshi tanahashi a match that has been uh talked about for a long time it's been a long long awaited match we finally got it moxley beat tanahashi Instead of making the moment about Moxley beating Tanahashi, and instead of making the moment about Moxley being interim champ, maybe Punk could show up and be like, "Hi, you got a belt, I got a belt, or I don't know, someone from AEW could be like, I'm next in line. And instead of that, the Jericho Appreciation Society ran down to the ring, beat the crap out of Moxley, beat the crap out of Tanahashi, more members of Blackpool Combat Club and Proud and Proud and Powerful and Eddie Kingston, a whole bunch of folks, came down to the uh, came down to the ring. We get a big lo- locker room clearing brawl between the Black Street, they're the Blackpool Combat Club and uh, and friends versus the Jericho Appreciation Society. And then the big pop, bigger than Moxley winning, bigger than the brawl, the biggest pop of the night, Cesar- or Claudio Castagnoli, formerly Cesaro, the new AEW signee who debuted earlier in the night. We'll talk about that in a bit. Ces- Claudio, I'm getting, ah, I'm not used to calling him Claudio. It's 11 years you have to reprogram yourself. I know, it's fine. I know. I, <laughs> anyway, Claudio Castagnoli is the one to clear the ring. Claudio Castagnoli is the one to make sure the Blackpool Combat Club stands tall. And so even in this big moment where there is this go home, you know, to blood and guts, the AEW interim world title, which has just been crowned, is secondary to shiny new toy Claudio Castagnoli. And don't get me wrong, I think Claudio is very talented. I think Claudio is very popular. And in, and in fact, I think that if you put uh, the AEW title on Claudio Castagnoli, people would give a lot more of a fuck about it than they do on John Moxley at the moment. But it doesn't change the fact that Claudio's not the AEW champion. And it doesn't change the fact that that means that, that John Moxley just kind of looks less than, and then Hiroshi Tanahashi behind him looks even lesser than. And I, I, I kind of feel like this was a deflating moment for New Japan fans, and not in that way of, oh, I want to see the Jericho Appreciation Society get their comeuppance, but it was kind of deflating in that, like, oh, I don't want to see tanahashi involved in this nonsense like this is just yeah even this, more it, oh good 
Go, no, go ahead. Even more embarrassing, Fight TV said that, says like, Claudia walks through the forbidden door. It's like, dude, the guy's been unemployed for months. What the hell do you mean he just walked through the forbidden door? Well, no, technically, technically everyone walked through the forbidden door. Oh, oh sure. Because oh, it's okay. forbidden. It's the, the it's the event is the uh -huh. forbidden door. This oh, is the one night where you can see. This is the this is the one night where you can technically say Keith Lee walked through the forbidden door because he <laughs> did. You can say everyone walked through the forbidden door because that's what the entryway said. So Okay. Fine. Uh, fine. Yeah. Whatever. Uh the point my the, the point too is. This was supposed to be about AEW and NJPW. Yep. This was not a time for you to debut new talent. You know, and I understand no, no. it's because I understand it was a time to debut new talent. I think Claudio's debut was one of the big moments. But go ahead. But but it, you don't think it takes attention from the point of the entire pay-per-view? Yes, I do. He's not even with AEW, by the way. Who? He's not even officially signed. He doesn't have a contract yes, he yet. Is. Yes, he has. I, He's been signed since early June. Tony Khan said so in the press scrum. Oh, okay. Because the thing I saw right away when it happened was that he's on a temp thing. Okay, yeah, no, you got You got to keep up. The, Damn, the, the fucking news cycle, man. Can it slow down? Well, no, please? it's it's not that the news cycle slows <laughs> down. You just you just have to remember that after every AEW show, you're going to get about two hours of news from the press scrum. Oh, and in no, that I'm press too scrum, I'm too old for that, man. I got a kid, and I'm going to go to well, sleep. Well, then let well then let me catch you up here. Tony <laughs> Khan Tony Khan signed Claudio Castagnoli in early June. When Brian Danielson got hurt, Danielson came to Tony Khan without knowing that uh, Khan signed Claudio and said, hey, I'm hurt. What would you think about bringing in Claudio? And Tony said, funny, you should mention that he's been under contract for like three weeks or however ever long. I wasn't sure where to debut him. It was either going to be at Forbidden Door, maybe at Blood and Guts, maybe we debut him at Death Before Dishonor, which is going to happen on July 23rd, the next Ring of Honor event. He didn't know. But then Brian got injured, and so that was that was that. So yeah, no, Claudio has been all elite I for see. longer than longer well, than anyone's known. Well, without looking like I've taken it, taken too much offense to it. <laughs> my problem is that it's the shiny new toy syndrome where they're like, "Hey, we've got Mox and fucking Tanahashi. This is the whole mm -hmm. apex of the Forbidden Door idea of AW and JPW." And then just like, you know, like Andy uh, in Toy Story, like throws his toys and goes, oh, yep. like a Claudio's here, bitches. Yep. Fuck Tanahashi. Fuck that guy. I don't even care he's here, even though he's like the John Cena of fucking Japan. Yep. You know, like, come um, on, man. Like that. No, that and that, me, that core. Yes, no. And and that's where I agree with you. That's why I wanted to really All specify right. that right. like Claudio's debut, I don't think is as much as a problem as the idea that the interim world title can't stand on its own because that's sure. what that ending told me that ending told me they have no confidence in interim champion john moxley it also told me that maybe uh blood and guts this upcoming wednesday hasn't sold out and they need to move some tickets and they said blood and guts is more important than the interim championship than the main event than the match that has been three years in the making tony khan has been going on every podcast talking about how he threw himself between new japan and this match for three years he finally has it and the finish is all about the jericho appreciation society versus the blackpool combat club it just i i really i can't describe again how deflating that that final match uh was what do you think karen of this just this whole mess of this blood and guts uh go home show <laughs> we have built a pay-per-view around a phrase that Hiroshi Tanahashi coined three years ago in yep. his match against Chris Jericho. Yep. You've put him in the main event of your show and you have him lose, which is fine if that's your play. 
especially with the G1, the last thing yeah. I would want for Tanahashi to is to go be have to shuttle back and forth between working the G1 and having to do like promos for AEW by yeah. flying to and from the states. God forbid he caught something, whatever. Well, and even even just having the belt complicates it because like I think Tanahashi right now is in a point where someone can sneak a win over him. like literally oh, yeah. anyone in his block he, can sneak a win over him if he doesn't have a title. He'll probably drop two or three losses in the yeah. G1. But if he has a title, those two or three losses become more important. And that's the other reason why it's like, I don't have a problem with Tanahashi losing. I Correct. don't have a problem with the match. I think the match itself was fine. I think Moxley started bleeding at a really odd point, which was like hilarious and kind of took me out of it. Um, but other than that, it was a really, it was a really good match. They just didn't have confidence in the, they didn't have confidence in that image of Moxley holding the title. I'm sorry, you go ahead, Karen. But And that's another thing is that, I love Moxley. I love everything he's done. I love how far he's come. But I don't need him oozing like half of the blood in his body in every fucking match he's in. <laughs> he's the new Ric Flair. Like it's like, it, Oh no, I hope not. That's that's number one of two, because I promised you two this this one, yep. Ross. But the thing is, is that like Tanahashi's already said that his match with Kenta back in January wasn't what he wanted it wasn't the kind of match he wanted to fight you could see donahashi had as much of mox's blood on him mm -hmm. as mox had on himself yep. but so when he went to go do that high fly flow and the ace is high i was terrified he was going to slip and fall off of that turnbuckle because his boots were covered in blood mm -hmm. and i'm like there's what have you done in this match that necessitates you bleeding this much no yeah i feel like he sneezes and just starts oozing from his head and and sometimes sometimes the, the blood works, but this time it was literally like he took an arm drag, rolled out of the ring, came back just covered in blood. I, I it was like self parody of it's like it, someone it's... someone told him he bleeds on anything, looked, and he was like, oh, I will show you how ridiculous my bleeding can get. It, it, it looked like a Penn and Teller magic trick. <laughs> yep. Yes. So exactly. It, it's one of those things where you have this match, it finishes fine, it's great, but again. This is what we've been saying for the last couple of weeks is that you should not be building blood and guts on this pay-per-view. This made it mm. feel like, here's my other swear, a fucking Ring of Honor Global Wars show Ooh, where you're trying yeah. to build up the next TV episode mm -hmm. right after the main event. That's not fair to New Japan. That's not fair to Tanahashi. That's not fair to Moxley, who you just put the belt on. Well, it's, it's not And then fair. on top of it, Tanahashi had to lay there while the mm. melee went on. And I'm like... Can, can somebody just like let the man get out of the ring and leave? Like he does not need to be here for 10 minutes of this. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, I also think it's not fair to the fans to pay $50 for a transitional show. If you're going to pay pay-per-view prices, Thank you. you should, you should get some kind of resolution. And now I, I understand that it's a different era. We now have, you know, movies that make billions of dollars that don't technically end. They just stop before the next movie can begin. <laughs> So I I understand that maybe I'm an old man yelling at a cloud, but I I think that it shouldn't have been a go home show. I think that they, that brawl, hell, even having Jericho Appreciation Society beat the hell out of Tanahashi could have worked on Wednesday. It could have worked at Rampage on Friday. There were plenty of places to have that moment, but they had so many matches to announce it that they couldn't have that moment because they were still announcing matches on Friday night. They were still announcing buy-in matches on Friday night. And so it does feel like they kind of, you know, grabbed their keys, rushed out the forbidden door and were like, oh, crap, that's right. We got blood and guts on Wednesday. Uh, what does uh, what does Jericho Appreciation Society want to do? And mm -hmm. you know what? 
good good for guys like Daniel Garcia who got to beat up Tanahashi. That's a story he's going to be telling for the rest of his life, and he deserves yep. to. But again, it felt like a TV. It felt like a TV finish. Now I feel like we we kind of beaten a dead horse on the deflating main event matches. Let's talk about what worked because what we've talked about was one hour out of five, and I think four of those hours had some really fun stuff on them. First uh, and foremost, as we talked about earlier, Claudio Castagnoli debuting as Brian Danielson's replacement, defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in a, a 20-minute bout that was just fantastic. Uh, what did you – I'll go to you, John, because you were, you, you, you were, you were ready to, to be like, I don't know if we need this debut, but what did you think of the match? What did you think of Claudio I, versus Sabre? I, I thought it was fine. Um, I mean, it was good, but these two yeah. should be putting on a fucking clinic. I mean, between the two of them, uh, they're kind of meant for each other. Uh, I know he did the the swing. Uh, I yep. know, but he had to sell his injury to yep. for in the middle of it. I wish that wasn't the case because it should have been. Look how much better I am here than I was over there. That's he okay. He got him. to do that. He got to do that at the end of the night where he looked more yeah, important than yeah, the yeah, world champion. True. That's when he yeah, did the big so. swing. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, but I think it was good. Uh, unfortunately, and this might be an unpopular opinion. I think if you've watched WWE you, you kind of are not really surprised and you've already seen good Claudio matches and you've already seen his best matches so far. Um, this was just another Claudio match. And, but I, but I thought it was fan. I thought it was fantastic just for him. The bar is already no pun intended. The bar is already so the high. <laughs> yeah. The bar is already so high. That... No, the bar, the bar isn't high, John. He is the, the bar. bar. <laughs> well, he's like seven foot. So what do you want from me? uh no but i i think you do bring up a very good point that the at the save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The end of the day, if you've seen a Claudio match, you, you've seen this, you know, it, it, he has had maybe some better matches, but I do feel like there, A, to get the response that he got from the crowd was something that WWE just they they have never presented him that way. Even when even when he was on a hot streak in WWE, they didn't make him look like that much of a star. But I think it was the idea that look, Claudio can just come out here and have this match. It doesn't it, it doesn't have to be five minutes. He can have twenty minutes of actually telling a story about how hurt his arm is. Like he didn't have to do the full swing. He. Hell, I I think there is some merit to be believed that he was brought in to show everyone how to do a sharpshooter after double or nothing when literally no oh one was able God. to pull off a successful sharpshooter. Right. Um and so I I think I think it was a good match, but I think his I think his big moment was the closing stretch. And sure. with with everything I said about the the kind of deflating nature for NJPW fans, for Claudio fans, man, he's the biggest thing in that company right now. And to the fact that WWE's had him for 11 years and couldn't make that happen is is kind of damning. What do you think, uh, Karen, of Claudio's debut in AEW? I'm getting it. I'm jinxing myself by bringing it up, but I'm getting it. He's Claudio. No, no. See, for me, while well, I was trying to check something real quick, but I'm trying to remember 
if there was any crossover from Claudio's time in pro wrestling Noah and when Zack Sabre Jr. was a young boy in pro wrestling Noah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there was, but I was trying to check. And of course my internet's like, yeah, joke's yeah, on you. No, We're I, not working right now. Yeah. Um, but as a fan of Cesaro and someone who's mm-hmm. been, or, and sorry, Claudio, and has been saying for years how critically and criminally underrated he is. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he stepped out, my friends that were at the show were all sending me pictures like, he's arrived, he's here. Mm-hmm. And he deserves, I mean, if I know that they've had a whole bunch of debuts and they've had a whole bunch of big names, but there is something about Claudio. I've wanted nothing more than the most success for him. Mm-hmm. And WWE never gave him everything he deserved. And I feel like with Blackpool Combat Club, with AEW, put him in the G1 next year, please. Somebody, anybody, if they're listening. Yep. Um, But this could be the chance for people to truly see and appreciate everything he can do. Mm -hmm. And should he also cross over into the ring of honor world at some point? And if someone can, you know, bring Chris hero into the ring of honor world at some point, I'd like my Kings of pro wrestling reunion. It it is please. (laughs) It should be no, it it should be noted in the press scrum. Tony Khan did say that the original plan was to possibly bring Claudio in for death before dishonor. So it sounds like ring of honor and Claudio Castagnoli are due for a reunion, so to speak. Uh, whether it will be on July 23rd or before July 23rd, we'll find out, but I, you're kind of, you're, I think you're, 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 you're saying my dreams there, Karen, when it comes to the Kings of wrestling, <laughs> that would about be, it, no, it would be fantastic. As they're saying in the chat, Kings reign supreme. It would be great to see Chris hero was technically in the Chicagoland area last night. He was not on the uh, show. Another person who was in the Chicagoland area, but not on the show, Toro Yano, um, ultimate hustler somehow found like. Made his way to Chicago, which I assume, knowing Toriano, he got there on New Japan's dime or AEW's dime. Did not show up at the show at all. Apparently, recorded some vlog footage, but uh, he was uh, in shout the out. audience. Was yeah, he, he was in with he Okada was, just because he could. He was, yeah, he was in the audience, literally just chilling in the nosebleeds, just having yep. a good time. Shout out to Toriano for uh, for for hustling that that free ticket to uh, for Vendor. <laughs> And in, and in fact, if Toroyano paid for a ticket, I don't want to know about it. Please don't ruin the no. please don't ruin the the head cannon. Don't ruin the kayfabe. I like I, to believe that. I like to believe he's here to help import his line of curries. Yeah, he's, God, he's I bringing, hope so. He's bringing so the curry over. Maybe Chicago and Hokkaido can have some kind of I don't know sibling. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, They'd be good sister relationship. Cities, actually, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think we, I think we've got like a Russian sister Hikata, coming up at Hik, some point. I don't Hikata know. Kago. Um, Hikata Kago. Hit, yeah. Hit either way. Chicago. Go ahead, Karen. Chicago. Go ahead, Karen. Go Sorry. Ahead, Karen. Unrelated. So, I did cage match came through. One night tournament final was Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Claudio Castagnoli in uh, Oxfordshire, London. Okay. And then they had a thirty-minute Iron Man. Oh, that was two thousand eight. And a year later in. Uh, 2009, they had a 30 minute Iron Man match where Zack Sabre beat him two to one in Germany. Okay, so, so there's so one history and two. There, right? there is history one, yeah. there, but it would have been before Claudio went over to, to Noah with. Correct. Uh, it was before they both went over to Japan. Uh, cool. Well, it, well, that also sounds a lot like the history that Sabre and Danielson have because they, they don't really have any history outside of like, I want to say 2009, 2008, somewhere around there. And so, yeah, I guess. Danielson was real. He found a real good um, parallel for him to replace him with. Uh, I, I, I I know I, I had some 
Pearl Fletching about Claudio being the possible guy on last week's show, but I mean, the response speaks for itself. Like I said, after uh, seeing what happened at the end of the show, I think Tony Khan needs to throw out whatever plans he has and put as many belts on Claudio as he possibly can. People well, love he that. he already has like Swiss... 20 belts, so it's fine. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's, it, uh, he, it, he can put one on the, co- one for each coffee brand he's got. Um, either way, Claudio made a big debut. That was a big moment, but Claudio wasn't the only huge surprise in the United Center. And this was, I think, if I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here for a moment, I think New Japan kind of saw the fact that this was an AEW show that a lot of the directions going forward were about, hey, watch Dynamite, watch Rampage, watch AEW programming for all this fun stuff. And so I think New Japan said, oh, but if you watch New Japan, we've got a certain wrestler. In fact, we've got the wrestler, Katsuyori Shibata, who showed up to save Orange Cassidy from an assault from the uh, United Empire. And he had a, a fun little moment with Orange Cassidy where Cassidy put the sunglasses on Shibata. But like, I, I really get the vibe that that was New Japan's big coup to be like, oh yeah, well, if you want to watch Moxley and Jericho and all those guys in AEW, we got Shibata. Shibata's back. He wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom. No one knew what his status was. He was pretty damn active in that post-match beatdown. Like it was, I'm not going to say it was a full match, but he was doing some of the things you would expect from a full match with Shibata. What did you think, Karen, of Shibata's surprise return in, in the United Center? So Shibata is also on my list of favorites. Yep. So not only like, so when he, you know, arrived to, to do the thing as in whoop Will Osprey three days to uh, <laughs> next Thursday. Thank you for that, Katsuyori, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yes, the sunglass moment, it was very much, that wasn't like the wrestler Katsuyori Shibata. That was California Katsu who runs the yep. LA Dojo. <laughs> yep. Who's jogging on the beach with the, with the young lions and just like like you know, <laughs> partying on the rooftops with the gang. Like I loved it. And it because it was like he's always so serious and so gruff to just so to see him have some personality and all it took was a pair of sunglasses and just to feed into, you know, Orange Cassidy's shtick. Sure, why mm-hmm. not? Yep. No, it was it was I think I think it was really great. What did you think, John of Shibata's uh surprise return? I thought it was the one bright mark in the uh, giving fan service finally to any NJPW fan and this whole pay-per-view. And that was it. Mm. To me, it was the moment where they finally were like, you know what? This is just for you guys. Wink. And that's and that's what I'm saying is I think it was it was New Japan's way of kind of saying that, no, no, we've got some tricks up our sleeve, too. We've got some surprises. I mean, it um, sucked that there was only one, but, you know. Yeah. But hey, like helped. I said. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. It also helped when Hiromu had to drop out at the last minute. Because yep. I know a lot of people were looking forward to Hiromu. Yep. Uh, no, Hiromu having to drop out the Saturday before with a fever definitely threw a wrench in, I think, everyone's plans. And so, yeah, I think Shibata was a good... I think he was... A, I, I agree with John. It's rough that that was the main bit of fan service New Japan fans got, but they don't... Nothing. Yeah, I mean, let's be let's be real. They don't they don't exactly pull Shibata out every month. You know, what I, like like I said, the last time we saw him was at Wrestle Kingdom, and honestly, because of the fact that Shibata kind of went into business for himself and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna do the match, full strikes, screw the rules we agreed to," I honestly thought that like he was being punished or something, and like we maybe weren't gonna see Shibata back. He, like it was just it was getting just long enough that I was like. Oh man, I think he I think he went too hard at Wrestle Kingdom and New Japan was like, hang on, that's not what we agreed to. 
but he's back and he's like he looked ready to go go ahead karen you want to jump in the other bone i want to pick is where was red narita in all this it's a good red question Narita was the, like, him and carl fredericks are both off the show and i'm just like you you had Carl makes more sense than Ren. Uh, that's I the know. most I'll. That's the most I'll say about that on the I podcast. Know. But go ahead. But it's one of those things where it's just like you brought pretty much everybody, mm-hmm. but then also you didn't bring Kenta, who lives here in Florida, or Tama, or it's like they just like left off so many people this time around. That's mm-hmm. like as much as much as I'm griping about Forbidden Door. I feel like there needs to be a second show with more people on it. Cause mm-hmm. I don't feel like the AEW fans have gotten a proper scope of everything new Japan has to offer. Yes. And I, sense. and I also think that this show really proved that a lot of uh, AEW fans are new Japan fans at heart, especially with the way that the promotion was born. Like a lot of those diehard AEW fans are AEW fans. Cause they knew about Kenny Omega and the young bucks in new Japan. Like they were new Japan fans, whether they have fallen off or not, there were at one point, I think the show reminded them of that. And I think they have a built-in excuse for a next one because AEW had injuries, new Japan had injuries. They weren't able to do the show they thought they were going to do. And so no matter, no matter how Tony and Gato got along or didn't get along, it sounds like they got along. Tony sounded like he had a lot of fun. Um, no matter how that relationship went, either one can come to the other and say, look, we didn't play with a full deck. Let's do this one more time. And qu- quite frankly, if that's the turnout and reaction that they can get uh, on the kind of hobbled card that they put together, I think Forbidden Door 2 can be in a much bigger venue. Uh, I, I tweeted Wrigley, and I think if you have a show that has Okada in a proper spot, that has Punk in a proper spot, that has a lot of those guys, I think you could do Wrigley. I think you could do an outdoor arena, maybe not even like I, I think that they could could make that work if all of the talent is healthy, if they're playing with a full deck, uh, as uh, people are saying in the chat, like what what was the show supposed to be? I want the I want all the secrets. Go ahead, Karen. You look ready to jump in. Well, there was also like if it's not stadium show, there is yeah. there is always the ever so popular but you know, the great mystery that was Russell Dynasty, yep. in Madison Square Garden. Or, you know, they could do a Tokyo Dome show for Obari, Wrestle Kingdom. Obari just said in uh, Tokyo Sports that he's interested in the idea of Forbidden Door 2 being in Japan, have bringing the eight. They did the, they did the Noah show at the Yokohama Budokan, so you know yeah. what? It and, could be it could be AEW's turn. And AEW is is catching on on NJPW World. You got, got uh, them being broadcast weekly now, and so... I do, th- especially with the reaction to the Super Junior lineup, especially with the reaction to the uh, G1 lineup, I think that there is a there's a lot of people in Japan that want to see those AEW stars come over. I think they want to see uh, Hangman Page again. Hell, I think I'm pretty sure there are some Japanese folks that want to see Kenny Omega again. I don't know. That's I'm I'm just guessing. Um, whether whether the politics can can make it work or not is to be seen. But yeah, I think I think doing it Wrestle Kingdom weekend sounds good. Tanahashi's put out that challenge to Punk. If you're healthy, come on out January fourth. You know, we we now have to do a do over on Zack Saber Jr. versus Brian Danielson. Like, there's a lot of a lot of loose ends that can either be tied up here in Chicago, they could be tied up in Japan. But as long as everyone's working together, let's tie these threads, baby. Go ahead. Hey, if, if Tony Khan's blocked Mox versus Tanahashi for three years, the, le- the <laughs> least he could do, the least he can do mm-hmm. 
is, I don't know, give the company that was around well before his own a mm-hmm. proper show with, I don't know, closer to 50-50 booking. Well, and not only and not only and not only that, but the thing is, not only did it exist before, but if it wasn't for the work put in there, he wouldn't exist at all. Correct. Because Mm -hmm. they were working off the being the elite and starting with the elite. They did the legwork. TK had the money. So and then now Cody's gone. So, you know, when the others leave, it'll be just him sitting there with everybody else's work. Not that he doesn't put work in. I just mean the publicity, the marketing, all that stuff. So. Really, what he has is a kind of a unofficial spinoff of NJPW is what he started with. And so yeah. it's kind of like, dude, give them more credit than you are. And I don't just mean going out there saying, I love working with these guys. This guy's great. I love this guy. Because we've mm-hmm. all had a friend who does that. Like, well, I love this guy. But like, yeah, what'd you do for me lately, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's got to show in his actions and hugs aren't enough. Yep. Um, no, and I'm, uh, I, I'm, I am with you. I think it's going to be. It's it's gonna depend on on how everything really went down for the show because like it sounds like uh, it it sounds like some of it was easy it sounds like some of it was very hard some of it was real complicated I mean one one complication is the IWGP tag champions are currently the AAA tag champions you got AAA straight up retweeting New Japan Pro Wrestling on Twitter at one point uh, like a lot more than just the forbidden door between AEW and New Japan are being crossed here. New Japan and, and AAA are almost working together. Not They're not technically working together yet, but they are almost working together. And if you know anything about New Japan's relationship with CMLL and CMLL's relationship with AAA, that's not going to be uh, an easy uh, not to untangle. Uh, I don't know. What did you kind of think of FTR? getting all the belts and, and kind of breaking down the walls there, Karen. Well, see, as a fan of FTR, because I was a huge fan of theirs when they were in NXT, I, I feel bad for Rocky, but seeing the Shatter Machine or whatever they're calling it these days for the first time in a very long time, I was like, hell yeah. But at the same mm. time, I'm just like thinking of how CMLL might be reacting to the whole situation. And that, I mean, I know it shouldn't concern me, concern me because, you know, FTR never worked in CMLL. So, I mean, that seems to be the, the, the caveat, which Mm -hmm. is why Sammy Guevara also got to work on the show as opposed to other talent. Yep. Um, But it's one of those things where it's just like, it makes it really, really, really complicated now because personally the safe bet would have been put it on Rocky and Trent, give FTR a chance to drop the AAA belts and then have a rematch. Yeah. Would have been, that would probably have been the safer route. But I feel like they're trying, they were trying again to set up something for Death Before Dishonor, which is yep. happening next month. Yep. Well, and, and it also, here's my big question, my big issue is I kind of worry that New Japan's not going to, or AAA is not going to be, or CMLL is not going to be mad at New Japan. AAA is not going to be mad at New Japan. Like all of these companies aren't going to be mad at each other. The people that are going to really take the heat for this are going to be Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood two guys who have wanted to wrestle everywhere. Yeah. And I feel like being the guys who are kind of stomping down all the old borders is, is in some ways, maybe people are going to latch onto that and be like, everyone needs FTR regardless of the politics, but it also feels like it's going to limit them. It's going to be the kind of thing that makes people go, I don't know if I can trust these guys to do business the way it's supposed to be done. Cause just be, and 
whether it's the way it's supposed to be done or just the way it's been done doesn't matter. It, what matters is that it, it traditions are being burned, you know, sacred cows are being killed. Well, and the other thing is that, but like what happens in every G1 is that if you pin a champion, you get a championship, you get it, you get, you know, you have, they have to defend whatever belt they have. Yeah. You've effectively taken any, everything off of Jeff and yep. Okan for the G1. Yep. Not that, I mean, not like I'm saying they're going to drop a lot of losses. They're probably not. But the thing is that don't, them having the belts also means that the finals of the G1 had more stakes because inevitably they would drop a loss to somebody, meaning that somebody could come with a tag partner and mm-hmm. there would be an IWGP heavyweight tag team championship match on the finals of the G1. Yep. Now, or the next tour burning fire burning or whatever, burning whatever they're going to have in September. But now it's just like, we don't know when FTR is coming to Japan or if they're coming to Japan or if they're going to have a title, another t- IWGP tag team championship change here in the States. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, as wildly popular as they are with that many belts comes that much more responsibility. You can't be having them shuffle 60 pounds worth of, you know, uh, belts in their, their check bags. Yep. So, uh, well, I, yeah. and if there's an injury with that separated shoulder, I mean, it's just, no, you, it's very you, limiting. You bring up a very good point. Cause it, it kind of removes the, the tag title from new Japan for a while. Cause it feels like. FTR is on a collision course with the Bucks, right? Because they're collect. FTR is collecting all the belts, and yeah. and the Bucks have the belts that FTR wants, and so it feels like the IWGP tag titles are sealed up until September. But even then, it feels like they're sealed up until Tag League in December, mm-hmm. if even by then. Yeah. Because like, I and that's not again, fair to the tag division. Yes. No. Yeah, well, and, right. I would I would say like, it gives them, I would say it gives them time to kind of rebuild the tag division, but I feel like I feel like they need the title there. They need that spoke in the wheel to kind of keep it spinning. Otherwise, it can they can lose the plot very easily of who's actually on top. You know. Whoa! You, you ahead, actually John. you actually uh, the spoke in the wheel thing. Fuck all the plot and whatever's going on with the story. It's true. The tag. I mean, any titles are yeah. a mechanism. They're a literal yes. mechanism. They can yes. they can move you up. They can move you down. They can move you side to side, uh, like the elevator in Willy Wonka. It's yeah. something that that I think that the, the how dynamic it is, and that's why it's such a problem when somebody has it for so long and doesn't defend defend it. It sits there stagnant. Mm-hmm. So you know, no no changing hands is is no movement of the belt is a bad thing. But I mean, so obviously, sometimes it has to stay where it is to make somebody some epic freaking but, but hero. Even, even here's but, the thing: even if the belt isn't changing hands, it needs to be present. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. this—that's why I use that spoke in the wheel. Because the spoke in the wheel doesn't change. Right. They stay there, and it stays at the center of everything. And then when the wheel stops spinning, whoever's you know whoever hits the arrow, that's your number one contender. They're the ones that can you know take a chance to become the new spoke. But you need that. You need that structure. You need that balance. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, it just it becomes too ephemeral. It becomes too kind of um, wishy washy. You need actual legitimate stakes, and that's what those titles are there to provide in the in the most traditional sense. Go ahead, Karen. And my other thing is that well, all right, so fine. FTR has the belts. Does that mean that they're going to defend them on New Japan Strong? Maybe. Or is the caveat they have to be defended in Japan? 
but here's because here's New the Japan big... is debuting their strong open weight tag team championships next month. Yep. So it's one of those things where just like it's it's simple storytelling. You pin a champion, you get a match. That's it. Or you don't pin a champion and you just say, "Hey, I'm next. I call dibs. You're next." Mm. So it's one of those things where just like I feel like they've they, they're. <laughs> And I don't want to jinx it like this, but I feel like they're doing what they did to the U.S. championship by putting it on Mox and letting it stay on Mox for a very, very, very long time to the detriment of everybody else wanting an opportunity to do something. Here's the thing is I'm not worried they're doing the Mox thing. I'm worried they're doing what they did with the with the impact title to Kenny Omega. Remember when Kenny Omega was like the belt collector and he had all the world titles Yep. And the AAA title was important because, oh man, Kenny Omega's in AAA. This matters. This is big. The AEW title is obviously important because it's the AEW title. And then the Impact title was just kind of there. Every now and then he'd have a match with Rich Swan, and then it would he would just kind of forget that he was champion. And I, I, I worry that the IWGP titles are going to become that title for FTR because ROH has a pay-per-view. Those titles are going to get defended. AAA loves having FTR, it seems like. Those titles are going to get defended. Are the IWGP titles going to get defended? That's going to be the big question. How are they going to get defended? How lawless is this going to get? Are we going to see an IWGP title match on Triplemania some year? Like, what? where does this go? It can either go really well or it can either be, like John said, stagnant. But because there was no tonic cord at the end of Forbidden Door, because they're just going to keep the carousel going and keep us on it, we're just kind of stuck with this very dizzy feeling of like, where, where do we go from here? How do we, which way is forward? You know, when you're, you've been spun around too much and you, you think you're going forward, but actually you're going around in circles still. Um, I'm worried that's where we're heading with this. I'm worried, but we've got a lot, got a lot of directions out of the, out of the forbidden door. Like I said, AEW's got uh, the road to ring of honor, death before dishonor, which is so weird to say. Um, and then it, New Japan is headed to New Japan Road, where Kushida will be teaming with, I believe, Hiroshi Tanahashi um, in his first matches back. He, they Tanahashi, that, that loser, he got his ass kicked in, in, in AEW. Hey, now, he's still the ace. He's still the ace. <laughs> is he? And, I don't yeah, know, man. Yes. Yeah, he's the yes, ace. Yes, he is. He's How dare the you? Uh, I, hope he can, I hope he can win me back after I had to watch him get, get his ass kicked. He's going to be teaming with Kushida against Bullet Club. I think he'll win every oh, All right. Um, and it's Kenta and Ishimori. Yeah, Kenta, Kenta versus Kushida a, is going to be very interesting. Ishimori versus Kushida is going to be very it's interesting. It's a beautiful matchup. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun stuff coming up Indeed. on the early July editions of New Japan Road. And then we head right into the G1 Climax. We will be talking all about that next week uh, when Tama will be joining us once again. He's on vacation right now, soaking up that family time before he heads on over to Japan for all of the uh, long-ass G1 shenanigans that New Japan's got him set for. Uh, what? So we will. We are about to call it an hour here on Tama's Island. But before we do that, Karen, uh, I want to ask you, we're going to do a lightning round to end the show because this past Monday, this past oh. Monday, the uh, we celebrated 20 years of John Cena in the WWE. It was such a big event that even AEW stars, Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, and Paul White were featured on videos celebrating John on WWE programming. So, in the lightning round before we call it a week, Karen, your favorite John Cena moment, if you have one. 
I mean, it didn't work out for them in the end, but I was at WrestleMania when he proposed to Nikki. So that's, that's still, it's, it's still I, like I at the time I watched Total Divas and Total Bellas, so it's still yeah it's not going to work out. But yeah, well, and, and if I if I may defend the John Cena Nikki Bella engagement at WrestleMania, Liz and Savage didn't work out. Like at the end of the day, they got divorced. A lot of the famous wrestling marriages don't end the way they want them to. But that moment was, I mean, that was one of the most like WWE moments in a long time. I mean, if somebody proposed to me in front of 70,000 people, I probably would have fainted on the spot. So good on them for keeping their shit together. But yeah, I mean, in all fairness, I missed most of Cena's career because I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. So that's fair. No, and that's that it he that's the thing is he's been around for so long that even the people that came into wrestling later still they still got those favorite John Cena moments. But yeah, I think the engagement was a lot of fun i think the uh i think if you look in the the dictionary at the the to the definition of sports entertainment it's a picture of john cena giving the miz a hip toss and then getting down on one knee and uh proposing to nikki bella it was sports (laughs) entertainment as hell how about you john your favorite john cena moment ever lay on us during the pandemic when he entered the black lodge uh and fought the fiend uh i think that was really nice uh it was cool to see uh a somebody like john cena who he's done maybe some surrealist shit like you know like the million yeah. john cena you know showing up on the ramp and all that shit but, but normally but, even... but you see him as kind of the sh- like he's the straight man in most yeah. stuff he's more serious you don't see him kind of do any roger rabbit shit but like when uh you see him with the fiend and they're doing that cinematic match and yep. he basically gets trapped in a black lodge comes out in the nwo uh, WCW yep. show. like fucking brilliant that was seriously and I love that he didn't have to take him take it too seriously and uh that and Peacemaker yep <laughs> I think that that is that those are definitely some great some great John Cena moments uh especially just yeah he he's he's had some fun over his career I will always if I'm gonna say my favorite John Cena moment He's had a lot of great matches. He's had a lot of great movies. He's had a lot of great moments, but man, he's one of the only WWE superstars that actually got to uh, be a part of actual history. I have to go with him announcing to the Extreme Rules crowd the death of Osama bin Laden. That's the best John Cena moment to me. He gets on the mic and says that we have compromised to a permanent end or whatever the thing is. And then they play, uh, what what was it? They played like Stars and Stripes Forever or something afterwards. It was like this huge, like wild ass moment that uh, between The Rock being like the one to break the news and then John Cena being the one to tell a live audience, just a whole lot of weird wrestling stuff went on that day. And so I gotta, I gotta, if we're talking John Cena's 20 year career, I gotta shout out that one. Go ahead, Karen, jump on I in. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say it was him. It might've been Daniel Bryan, but what, did he also wrestle Connor the Crusher? The young boy that, that Connor's cure became. No, that was Brian Dan- Or that was just Brian. Yeah. Brian Danielson okay. was like the guy that Connor was all about. I know like, that he, he's also done yeah. so many make a wish things. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if that was one of the, the countless, countless. No, no, no. Rantings Con- that he's done. Yeah. But John Cena like, has done the most, though. Oh yeah, yes. no, he's he is so he's in the record. Throw he's in that the record in there because yeah. John Cena's for the kids. In fact, oh, somebody, yeah, no. <laughs> except somebody, when he does Tina Fey comedies, then yeah, he's not for the kids. Somebody did a somebody, <laughs> somebody 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 had a joke where when he was out injured with that giant softball on his arm, it said, yeah. uh, "John Cena visits sick uh, John Cena in hospital." <laughs> <And> it, said, <laughs> it was him there with John Cena. Yeah, actually, if we're gonna talk about the outside of the ring moment, the like the outside of the arena stuff. 
John, the the most recent John Cena moment of him visiting the Ukrainian refugee in the Netherlands, who was it's a uh, I guess had developmental disabilities, can't talk or anything. It, Cena read some profile about the kid's mother, who basically spent her the entire time getting her kid out of the Ukraine, telling him John Cena's on the other side. John Cena read this and was like, "Well, I'm not going to make that mom look bad." And he shows up, gives the kid like just spends. Oh my- a whole bunch of time with the kid. It was it. It's uh. It, it was in a bunch of headlines. Definitely one of those. Yeah. No. Like he's a he's a good dude. That's why I like. Yeah. I, you know. He also so, follows a lot of people on Twitter lately. I don't know. I yeah. still have managed to dodge the John Cena follow. Same. I think. I think. I. I think. I curse too much for the John Cena follow. I'm yeah. too. Uh, well, I'm a little too much of a beatnik. He's very straight laced. Um. But. Uh, <laughs> well, but yeah. John- I think. But my. I didn't get to say my favorite outside. I guess I said yeah, peacemaker, but actually. Uh, it was on their reality show. Uh, mm. it was I don't remember if it was Total Divas or when he had they had their own thing. It must have been Total Divas. Total, where, Total Uh No, I think it was. I think at this point it was well, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. It was on a reality the reality show, and uh, she was like, "Oh, let me cook you dinner. I'm going to cook you dinner." So she cooks some dinner. He's like, "No, no, don't do that. We'll order something." He goes take a shower. They whatever, and then she comes down. Or he comes down and she's cooking. He's flipping his shit. And he's like, "What are you doing? The kitchen's going to get dirty." She's like, "Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to. I'll clean up." He's like, "No, you can't use the kitchen because it'll get dirty. If you drop something on the on the marble, the marble will warp." And he's like freaking out on her. And mm-hmm. I know that he's like not that hardcore, like kind of like OCD and all that stuff. But he's because he on that reality show he played a character so fucking well that I think yeah. people truly believe that's John Cena. And yeah. a lot of things I've yep. heard about John Cena in reality do not match up with that character. So he did Correct. a fantastic job playing a character on a reality show. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. No, absolutely. Robot Cena on all the old like Total Bellas and Total Divas yeah. and the, all that was a blast. Uh, shout out to Cena for 20 weird and wild years. I mean, like you yeah. said, he was in the Firefly Fun Flyer. Bleh. He was in the Firefly Fun. Firefly Funhouse. That is such you're a being, hard it's thing. Because to say. you're being censored by WWE. They're using mind rays, so you can't even yeah. bring it up. That's that's what I get for living in Chicago. We are the like, you know how Columbus, Ohio is where all the fast food companies test out their future stuff. Chicago's where we get all the experimental WWE stuff. We had glow in the dark. <laughs> we had those light up wristbands before anyone except for the K-pop fans. Um anyway, shout out to John Cena for 20 years. Shout out to AEW and New Japan for putting on four hours of a five-hour pay-per-view that were sublime and then another an hour that was just okay uh shout out to everyone for joining us on this episode of thomas island like i said we are going to be back next week breaking down the g1 talking about kushida's first matches back in new japan and all of the fun wild news that will probably break between now and then it's been a slow news day so far it's been a slow news week but i'm sure i'm jinxing it now until then, you can find us on Twitch at Thomas Island. You can find us on Patreon.com backslash Thomas Island, at Thomas Island on Twitter, at Thomas Island on Instagram. Karen, where can people find you if you want them to find you? Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Hey Karen Sensei. You can also find me doing stardom and women's wrestling coverage for postwrestling.com. And now that it's out, I can finally talk about it. If you order the October 2022 issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I interviewed Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Please buy it. If you do, take a picture and tell me. I'm just so proud of it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Congratulations on <laughs> that. I can't read. I can't wait to read your interview with the ace. I'm sure that's a I'm sure that's gonna be a damn fine read. Shout out to Kevin and everyone. All the I folks cried over when, at it, when it got approved. I really yeah. did. No, I, I, yeah, Kevin over at PWI's good people. I think they're they're doing some fun stuff over there. And John, where can people find you if you want them to find you? 
you can still find me gatekeeping the forbidden door. I want to make sure that when they do a second one, I want to make sure only cool people come through. <laughs> Here's the thing. I feel like all of the like walls around the forbidden door have like, <laughs> yeah. been torn down it's and you're just staying like, you're... <laughs> well, no, but like the door is still there. It's just, there's right. no walls around it. And John's just like a bouncer at this like, like door that no one's using. They're just going it's through all the walls. Yeah. In the middle of the desert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just completely bombed out. Like when Lawrence of Arabia finds that, uh, yeah. like, uh, uh, the bombed out place on the banks. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, all well, you old movie heads. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can you can you can uh, find some of my more of my shitty opinions over at Twitter.com/slash John Sebastian or Linktree.com/slash John Sebastian. Also, still plugging this. It's still running. Uh, seven part historical series uh, called 1972. It's an audio drama detailing the powerful story of Shirley Chisholm and Angela Davis, two highly respected black women who dare to hold a mirror to systemic racism and sexism in the United States. Boy, howdy! That's that's relevant still today um so uh yeah hit me up also by the way uh, if you listen to that i'm sorry i played the bad guy that's not who i am but somebody had to be so yeah. 1972 wherever you get your podcasts absolutely and if you're looking for me i'm at ross w berman iv on twitter at ross berman iv on instagram at ross w berman iv on letterboxd uh, i'm on all the places uh i'm uh, RossBerman.bandcamp for all your folk and blues needs, and I am doing News Desk and New Japan results over at WrestlingInc.com, so go give them a follow for all the scoops, all the aggregation, all the fun uh, stuff that we're doing over at that site. We will be back same Thomas Island time, same Thomas Island place next week. If you want to chat more with us and you're thinking like hey let's break it down more head on over to patreon.com backslash thomas island join that islander tier we have happy hours every weekend we hang out we shoot the shit we chop it up we talk about whatever's going on in wrestling and more uh it's a real real fun time we also have a bunch of other fun uh uh stuff going on over on patreon.com backslash thomas island but until then, we will see you next week, folks. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and have a good one. Thank you for listening to this week's Thomas Island. Find more great Thomas Island content like the Shotgun Series, weekly happy hour Zoom calls with Tama, video versions of the podcast, and much, much more at patreon.com forward slash Thomas Island. And visit at Thomas Island on Instagram and Twitter. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.